Today's episode is brought to you by the Nuance Dragon Ambient Experience, or DAX for short. This is AI-powered ambient technology that helps physicians be more efficient and reduce clinical documentation burden. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty nice. To learn more about how DAX Copilot can help reduce burnout and restore the joy of practicing medicine, stick around after the episode or visit nuance.com slash discover DAX. That's N-U-A-N-C-E dot com slash discover D-A-X. Knock, knock, hi. Knock, knock, hi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Knock, Knock, I with me, Dr. Glockenflecken. Uh, this is your one-stop shop for all things eyeballs. Uh, although today we're going to be leaving the eyeball a, 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 a little bit. We're going to sh- uh, travel a short distance over to the eyelid today. We're going to do eyelid stuff. We're going to change things up. But before that, um, we are closing in on the, the four-year anniversary of, of the, the skit era of Glock and Flecken. I, just, I was reflecting on this recently. Four years I've been making these skits with the characters and the different things. Uh, that it just, it's, it's flown by. It's like the, the, the entire, uh, you know, throughout the pandemic. Uh, I mean, that's when it first started, right? I was, I was on lockdown and the, my office closed down. And, and so I posed a question to my Twitter audience, which is really all I had at the time. And uh, TikTok had just come out or it just started gaining popularity. I think it had been around for like a year at that point, but, uh, I posed a question to my Twitter audience, like, should I get on TikTok? And 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 people were like, yeah, do it. Actually, that's not true. I had somebody suggest it to me, and that, that put the seed in my brain, and then I got a bunch of encouragement from people. And so I started making TikToks, started making the videos. It took me a while to get to, like, the the making of the characters, uh, and, and, and that just... You know, I was making these, you know, first day of rotation videos of all the different specialties. And some of the characters caught on. Some of them didn't. Uh, but I'm still doing it four years later. I, I you, Do you still like them? Do you, I, it seems like you do. The algorithms on social media keep changing. And so I do, sometimes it gets like less popular on certain platforms and more popular on the others. But the, really the most important thing is I'm having fun. I'm still enjoying it. I did recently the Super Bowl party video. Hope hopefully you saw that because it's now it's totally out of context because even though the Super Bowl is long over, um, but I, I <laughs> it was a video that I I had the most characters I think I've ever done in one video, like it was like 12, 12 different costumes, twelve different characters. Actually, very technically challenging for me to to figure out how to do, just because like, you know, I'm very particular about where characters are looking, and I want to make sure they're looking in the right place when I'm when I'm filming their parts, and and so it it's like a, I try to have it all in my head, but I feel like I need like a big whiteboard with with a diagram of where everyone's standing, but it, so it gets to be very challenging, but it was oh, so much fun. My office was a mess afterwards. There were there were clothes everywhere. Uh, at one point, my kid's friend was over and saw me dressed as the neurologist 
talking to myself on a phone. He looked at me like, what did I just step into? Who is this friend and what, what is their family of situation? What, what, what is happening? And so, you know, sometimes I get into myself into situations like that, but it's still fun. I still enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it too. I think you do. I think, I think people still like him. Some people are very attached to the characters too, which is, is fun. Like they, people know the, the lore, the, the, the backstory. I could, I can just present a character on screen on, on the, the skit and people just know who it is. I don't have to like introduce them anymore, which I always find very fun. I do leave some people behind with a little bit of the, the, the inside baseball type jokes and stuff but i think that's what makes it fun for people in healthcare and why i have such a big audience in medicine and maybe not as much of an audience outside of medicine although you guys still uh, still watch which i appreciate um those of you who have no medical background whatsoever but uh i do leave some people behind so i'm sorry for that sorry for the the kind of the really like inside inside jokes but um uh, i don't know I'm going to keep doing the inside jokes as long as I can while I still have a part of my brain that remembers some of that stuff. Like it's going, it's leaving the station and I have to do more and more research to like bring it back. But anyway, it was fun. It was fun doing that video. Um, I don't know what I got coming up as far as content. Uh, by the time you hear this, I probably have done a couple more skits, but I think I'm going to do one on surgical complications. That's kind of a, that's a challenging topic and one that I haven't tackled yet. So, uh, let's see. Oh, so, so today we're, we're, we're leaving eyeball land and going to eyelid land, um, which sounds ridiculous. In fact, I, I've had patients call me out on that when I would, I used to do a lot of eyelid surgery. So right, right when I started my job uh, my, in my private practice in Oregon, I used to do a lot of blepharoplasties, a lot of ptosis repair. Ptosis is where you have a droopy eyelid. And people would be very concerned about like going blind from the surgeries and everything. So in my consent, at, at one point, like when I first started, I was like, don't worry, it's nowhere near the eye. I'm not going anywhere near the eye. And people, I would have people just laugh out loud at me. Like, what are you talking about? It basically is the eye. From my standpoint as an ophthalmologist, the eyelid is very far away from the eye. Like, there's no danger that I am going to accidentally, like, cut into the eyeball. It, from my perspective, it's just, it's miles apart. But I can understand from, from the perspective of somebody having an eyelid surgery it doesn't seem that way. They are very close to each other. Another thing people don't realize is that there are two eyelids. Did you know that? There's an upper eyelid and a lower eyelid. I made that joke actually in one of my skits um, with with regard to uh, ortho and bone and uh, teeth. <laughs> did, did you know that there's upper teeth and lower teeth? <laughs> Which is just, I, I just took what I used to say to patients about upper and lower eyelids and just turned it into teeth with ortho. But um, uh, yes, there's an upper and a lower eyelid. The upper eyelid does more. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's got a, a big job, you know, the, as the windshield wiper of the eye. Keeps things lubricated, protects the cornea, you know, reflex blinking. Uh, you need those eyelids. Eyelids are very important. All right, we cannot overlook the eyelids. 
And so for a few years, when I started, I was doing lots of eyelid surgeries. Uh, I still do some minor procedures like chalazion. Maybe I'll talk about that someday, but that seems boring. Would that be interesting? Do you want to hear about pockets of oil in your eyelid that we can cut out? I don't know. Maybe you do. So I still do that kind of stuff. Take off little eyelid lesions, like little warts and, you know, cysts on the eyelid, stuff like that. But the bigger stuff, I have a wonderful partner who uh, who is uh, fellowship trained in eyelid and orbit. He's called an oculoplastics specialist. One of the many fellowship programs you can do in ophthalmology is oculoplastics. It's a two-year fellowship. There's a one-year version, but there's a more in-depth two-year version where you do, do everything, basically all the spaces around the eye. Orbit, eyelids, upper eyelids, lower eyelids, uh, eyebrow, sometimes some stuff in the nose, like lacrimal system, tear drainage, all this stuff that's happening outside the eye that's not on the eyeball itself or in the eyeball. An oculoplastic surgeon is who you want. That's who I would want to do uh, kind of some of my more in-depth stuff. There's some very simple procedures that can be done like uh, uh, by, by a comprehensive ophthalmologist, because I did them for a long time, like a, like a blepharoplasty, where you just take off some of the little extra skin on the eyelid. Um, eyelid tightening procedures. So sometimes we'll take a little uh, a piece out of the, the lower eyelid to tighten up that lower eyelid, which allows for better tear drainage, allows for better eye coverage from blinking. So uh, that's a, a very pretty straightforward surgery to do. So there are some things that I, I could still go back and do them, but now why? Because I have someone that works with me uh, that uh, and my partner that uh, does it so much better than I would do it. So it's like, hey, well, I'll just let you do it. I'm happy. I'll just do the cataracts. I'll do the chalazian. I'll do the little eyelid cysts. You know, you can take the big stuff. Um, okay, so let's let's talk. I've got um, uh, an, a topic that comes up frequently. Well, actually, we'll take a short break and then we'll, we'll get into we'll get into those eyelids. Hey everybody, exciting announcement. Do you want to tell them or should I? Oh, you can. I'm so excited. Due to popular demand, we're adding more live shows in California. Sunday, March 10th, we'll be at the San Jose Improv. And on Sunday, March 24th, we're returning to the Irvine Improv to share our amazing story called Wife and Death. Yeah, we'll talk about that time you died. And came back to life. It'll be a tragicomic, multimedia, memoir, stage show extravaganza. You gotta check it out. To buy tickets, click the link in the description below, or you can go to glockenflecken.com slash live. We'll see, see you, you there. there. All right, so let's talk. Let's talk eyelids. I'm gonna talk about eyelid twitching. All things eyelid spasms. I, it's probably like maybe, maybe a few times a month or once or twice a month, maybe that someone will come in complaining of eyelid twitching. Have you ever had an eyelid twitch? I'm sure you have. I've had them. They're annoying. They're annoying, but people can be very concerned about the eyelid twitching, especially if it doesn't go away as soon as you want it to go away, which people want it to go away immediately. Um, and so we're going to talk about this, but before we get into eyelid twitching and, and also more severe forms of it, which is called blepharospasm or hemifacial spasm. Let's talk about what allows the eyelids to function in terms of closure. 
So, uh, closing and opening. And so, um, uh, uh, we got to talk, basically we got to talk about the facial nerve. All right. Now you all know if you, hopefully you're familiar with the facial, it's one of the cranial nerves. All right. We kind of claim the facial nerve in ophthalmology just because, you know, it's, 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 it's involved with the eyelids. And so, but we claim a lot of uh, cranial nerves that maybe we, we shouldn't claim, but facial nerve is like part, partly ours. Other people can get it too, but, um, you know, maybe I'm the only one that cares about ownership of cranial nerves. There was, I don't, you know, it's, uh, I don't own it, but, um, if, if we were dividing up the cranial nerves, we would have a strong claim over like the, uh, ear doctors and the other types of doctors (laughs) to the facial nerve. All right, so uh, if, 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 if for those of you who have been through medical training, any kind of medical education, uh, do you remember the five branches of the facial nerve? So the facial nerve, it comes out of the skull, kind of like, I don't know, below the ear or something like that. And then it branches into all these different branches. So the mnemonic for this, this is the one I learned, to Zanzibar by motor car. To Zanzibar by motor car. T, temporal. Yeah, temporal branches. That's actually, those are the branches that that innervate the orbicularis muscle, the frontalis muscle. So the orbicularis muscle is the one that squeezes your eyelid closed. You squeeze it closed. The frontalis muscle is also the temporal branch of the facial nerve. That's, uh, that's, that's up here in your forehead. A lot of you, when you raise your eyelids up, sorry, when you raise your eyebrows up, that's your frontalis muscle. It also does the corrugator. Your corrugator muscle is the the angry muscle. That's what okay, it's right there in between your eyelids, and it kind of squeezes the eyelids together. It makes you look really mad at somebody, like like the nephrologist getting mad at cardiology for starting higher doses of Lasix than they should. Um, and then, so that's the temporal branches. It's kind of the up here. It's the higher one. It's all the way, all the way up here. That's the one we care about in ophthalmology. And you got the um, uh, the zygomatic branches, which uh, does a little bit of the orbicularis as well. So I can that one's fine too. Uh, then you got the the buccal branches. Now we're there. Two Zanzibar temporal zygomatic by that's the buccal branches so now we're getting a little bit lower uh into the 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 mouth the you know basically we're getting below the nasal bridge so this i'm I'm exhausting my knowledge here and then uh the uh by motor car so m marginal mandibular and cervical branches uh so those are the other two the extraneous ones in my opinion i'm sure they have important functions, but we're not going to talk about that. All right. So that's the facial nerve. And so now we get to the, the, the what causes. So, so this is important because, uh, when we're thinking about what causes the eyelids to spasm close, we got to think about the facial nerve. Uh, so we'll start with the, the kind of what I mentioned already, eyelid myokymia. Eyelid myokymia is just that little twitch, little tiny twitch. Uh, that we all kind of, kind of get, um, that is usually not really pathologic. Um, it's, uh, you can get it from, if you're under a lot of stress, if you're sleep deprived, you've had a lot of caffeine, 
those are probably the big ones. You just get this little twitching. You've been doing a lot of work on a computer. You're, you have a lot of eye strain. Those are the most common situations where we would see someone come in with eyelid twitching. And so I'd be like, the patient comes in, is like, my eyelid's been twitching. The first thing I'll ask them is, is, is are your eyes, are, are, do you find yourself like, are they spasming closed? Like, is this twitch, is it really like a little twitch or is your eye like forcefully closing involuntarily? That's the distinction to make between a little eyelid twitch that all of us get at some point and the more serious problems of, of um, hemifacial spasm or essential blepharospasm. So the little twitches, which are much more common, you know, I provide patients reassurance. It's going to go away. You know, if you've been stressed out, you know, try to get a little bit more sleep if you can. But it, there's really nothing you got to do about it because it's not going to affect your vision. It's not, it's it's annoying. It's very annoying. I, I grant you that. It is very annoying, but it's not dangerous. It's not dangerous. It doesn't portend some more, more dangerous thing. However, that twitching, it can progress. So I always tell people, if it does start to get worse, like all of a sudden maybe your half of your face or more of your face is spasming. It's not just the little eyelid quivers, little twitches. It's like your cheek is coming up, your eyebrows going down. You're kind of, you're really starting to like get this really much, I'm doing it right now on the video. <laughs> people that are just listening can't see me doing this, but basically... The whole, that that all the the muscles around your eye are all firing and not just the little eyelid quivers, the little eyelid twitches. That's more serious, so you want to let us know. But usually, it doesn't progress to that. So that's eyelid, and we call that eyelid myokymia. There's a code for that, and and so you know we don't need to see patients back for that. We just tell them it's going to be okay. You'll be you'll be fine. Contrast that to what we call essential blepharospasm. All right, so essential blepharospasm is typically bilateral. So it's the spasm of both eyes. They just both close forcefully. Usually it comes on intermittently. Maybe not there all the time, but you'll have like a, a few days where it, it really gets really you know intense and then it goes away for a few days. Uh, and it's, it's contraction, forceful contraction of the orbicularis. Again, innervated by the temporal branches of your facial nerve and a little bit of the zygomatic. And it's it's uncontrolled blinking. That's what it is. It's uncontrolled, forceful blinking. And it can cause, I mean, f functional blindness, right? Because if your eyelids are forced closed, what if what if it happens when you're driving? What if it happens when you need your 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 good visual acuity? Like that can be very dangerous for people. Now for essential blepharospasm, what I'm describing, the etiology, why this happens, we don't really know. Like it's probably got something to do with the basal ganglia or some of the, the you know higher order neurologic or uh, you know, I mean neuro, like a, a motor pathways in the brain. We don't really know why this happens. It typically starts to occur in the fifth to seventh decade of life. So, you know, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, somewhere around there. We see it more often in females than males, about a three to one ratio. 
there is a strong association with Parkinson's disease. So if, if, if you have early Parkinson's, you're most likely to have more likely to have this. And the interesting thing about this and what separates it from other more other forms of, of blepharospasm, by the way, bleph is what is eyelid. When you hear it, when you see bleph, think eyelid, blepharospasm, eyelid spasm. What separates essential blepharospasm versus other forms of spasm of the eyelid is that it's absent during sleep. So essential blepharospasm goes away when you're sleeping. So if you have someone that's in the room with you while you're sleeping, they'll say, oh, well, you never do that while you're asleep. It's not there. Other forms, you can have spasm while you're sleeping. We'll get to treatment of these things in just a second. But now I want to talk about uh, something a little bit that can be a little bit more serious in terms of, of diagnosis, and that's um, uh, 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 hemifacial spasm. So a hemifacial spasm is exactly what it describes. It's, it's half of the face, and it can, it can affect both the orbicularis but also the other muscles that are innervated by the facial nerve. All right, so that's hemifacial spasm. That typically it can still happen while you're sleeping, um, and uh, and there are other diagnoses to consider with this. So, so we already know that we, with essential blepharospasm, we don't have we don't really know what causes that, but for secondary blepharospasm, which are things that can that potentially we can identify as a cause for why either half or all of the face is spasming closed, we can look for potential causes. So, um, and that's why that discussion of the facial nerve is so important because these are things that are causing the facial nerve to fire, to activate, to cause contraction of the muscles that the facial nerve innervate. So, in the case of hemifacial spasm, where one half of the face, all those muscles, the orbicularis, the orbicularis oculi, the orbicularis oris, uh, the frontalis, uh, where that can be caused by uh, one of the most common, more common ones is a cerebellopontine angle tumor. So basically you get a tumor right where the kind of about where the facial nerve exits the skull, you can get a little tumor there that causes compression and causes this activation of that of that facial nerve causing spasm. Uh, there are other things that could cause trigeminal neuralgia. Trigeminal neuralgia can, because all these cranial nerves are pretty close to each other. So if you get trigeminal neuralgia, that can also active, or cause a, a um, spasm and activation of the facial nerve as well. Um, uh, there are uh, other more like, you know, posterior fossa lesions, but basically the point is if you have a fa hemifacial spasm, really strongly consider getting an MRI. In fact, that's what I would do. I would get an MRI for a patient with, um, uh, um, with a hemifacial spasm. You could also consider it honestly for essential uh, blepharospasm as well. But if, if the patient is in the right demographic, you know, 70 years old, they've kind of gradually gotten more of a spasm of their eyes closed. It's probably, you're probably not going to find something, uh, on the, on the imaging, but chances are they probably had imaging anyway, because again, there's a sort of, you know, correlation with Parkinson's. And so 
other considerations going on with the central nervous system, but certainly with hemifacial spasm, or if it's a patient that it doesn't quite fit those demographics, like maybe it's a younger patient in their 40s and their, their early 50s that has having facial spasm, consider getting an MRI just to look at the path of the facial nerve to see if there's anything compressing it. You can have what we call dolicoectatic blood vessels, that basically it's a blood vessel that has a funny course that can go up right next to the facial nerve and activate the facial nerve and cause spasm. That's another treatment, or that's another cause. The most common treatment uh, for, um, for facial spasm, hemifacial spasm, or essential blood for spasm is Botox. All right, here we go. This is the Botox conversation here. Botox is a wonderful thing. I've talked about it either on this. Uh, I know we've talked about it on the knock-knock high side of things, how uh, uh, ophthalmologists claim Botox as our own because it was uh, first used clinically to treat um, uh, strabismus, so injecting Botox into the eye muscles that relax the muscle. So all due respect to dermatologists, uh, it's ours, Okay. You may use it more often, but it's it's ours. All right, so Botox. Um, uh, obviously, whenever you use this for blepharospasm, you inject it into the eyelid itself, uh, just relaxing that orbicularis, and it, it's so helpful for people. It lasts about three months, uh, and and it just it relaxes that spasm, so they're not they can still blink like typically like a normal reflex blinking but they're not going to be able to forcefully squeeze their eyelids shut, which is very important and can allow people to function normally again. So Botox is, an, is, is really, it's an incredible advancement in medicine using Botox clinically, using this toxin clinically. Um, and sure, there are some adverse effects that can happen from it. You know, if you, if you really, if you paralyze the eye too much of the, of the, orbicularis because the orbicularis is a fairly large muscle so if you if you paralyze too much of it it can cause the patient to not be able to blink at all which can lead to what we call exposure keratopathy or an exposed cornea and uh and that can um uh that can cause lots of problems if you leave the cornea exposed remember eyelids are windshield wipers you gotta have the ability to blink it's very important for the health of your eye the good news is that Botox wears off. <laughs> it's, it's. In fact, I, <laughs> I had a mentor. This is not a a, a, a bit politically incorrect uh, thing to say, which is why I probably only said it to other doctors. But um, basically, said, you know, you you can't. Botox is really safe to do. Uh, people can't really sue you for getting it wrong. Because by the time the they take you to court, the effect of it will wear off. <laughs> so it's it is it's uh so so it's a it's a very effective treatment. And if you do it, you overdo it because you can't overdo Botox. You, obviously, we try not to, but it 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 does wear off, and so that effect will it'll reset, and you can learn for next time not to do it that same way. So. Botox is, uh, is, is a valuable thing, especially with this type of problem. And this is medical Botox, right? This isn't cosmetic. I don't, I don't have anything against cosmetic Botox, but uh, um, medical Botox, this is, this is a, there's a medical reason. Insurance will often cover this because you need it to function. So that's all I know about 
spasm of the eyelids. I, I hopefully, I, hopefully, I, I had to do a little research on this, on all this stuff, because I don't see this very often. It's good to 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 kind of. It's like CME. I'm giving myself CME. Doing. I can't give myself CME. I wish I could. I still have to do CME, and even though I'm learning more, by the way, myself doing these knock knock eye episodes than I do like going to a conference. So thank you for like encouraging me to educate myself. These are all things I know, but they're good to be reminded. I I I love I love getting re- being reminded of all these things. I spent so much time learning in residency. It's like, oh, I never I haven't thought about that in a while. So I haven't thought about hemifacial spasm in a while. So now next time I see a patient with this, I'm gonna know exactly what it is, what to do. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's why I'm getting just as much out of these episodes as you all are. We didn't do a, don't do that eyeball tip of the week, did we? Hmm. Don't do that eyeball tip of the week. Uh, let's see. How about, how about don't, don't do Botox unless you've had like adequate training on it. Like you, you think, I feel like there's a lot of people that just jump into Botox, but it's, it's, it's expensive for people and, and you can mess it up. I know I, I kind of made the joke earlier about like, you know, you can't get sued for it cause it wears off, but I mean, it still sucks to like, like screw it up for people. So I, I feel like it's, there is an art to Botox, uh, both medical and cosmetic. And so just, you know, if you're getting Botox, I encourage you to do your due diligence in terms of like looking at seeing how someone's trained and whether or not they have that training, they have that experience uh, um, um, with Botox. Uh, because yeah, even though it's like nothing, no Botox you get will be permanent. Um, it's 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 still you want it done right and done well and and just like a lot of things in medicine there's a lot of people that do these types of cosmetic things and they because they're wanting to make a buck and um there's nothing wrong with wanting to make a little extra money if that's if it's within your if it's if it's within your scope of practice right and you have the training to do it so just be careful with the cosmetic stuff i guess is the point and that's it. Thanks for listening. Um, and so if you have any, uh, uh, again, as always, let me know if you have suggestions for topics. Uh, maybe probably next time I'll go back into my comfort zone of the eyeball. I, my, my, I feel so, so at ease in the eyeball. Um, I haven't done, we, we got some glaucoma things we could do. We got some retina. We got a ton of retina stuff we could do. Uh, we got some orbit. Ooh, that's not exactly the eye, but the orbit's good right i think there's a there is still one pants patient i haven't done and that's retrobulbar hemorrhage causing um proptosis requiring emergent treatment so i i I don't think i've done it correct me if i'm wrong i don't think i've done that uh and so that's that's one idea so anyway lots of things out there lots of eyeball stuff you're all going to be ophthalmologists eventually uh, (laughs) if you keep listening to this Thank you to um, uh, my producers, Shanti Brook, Aaron Corney, Rob Goldman, editor and engineers, Jason Pertizzo. Our music is by Omer Benzvi. Uh, and um, let me know. Reach out uh, uh, YouTube. Uh, uh, I, 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 I try to k- keep up with the comments there. Uh, we also have a Patreon, Knock Knock High. 
it's just a website, glockenflecken.com, by the way. You guys you can, you can check out that. There's lots of good information there. You can reach out. We have a little um, contact form there as well. So love to hear your thoughts about Knock Knock I and any suggestions you have. All right. Uh, this is a human content production. See you, everybody. Bye.